You're listening to a sermon from Plus Life, a church that exists to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will be stirred in your heart and renewed in your mind as you hear the preaching of God's word today. The title of my sermon this morning is The Perils of Pride. The Perils of Pride. Church, I count it a privilege every time that I exhort to you from God's word up here and I think this topic, although it isn't new, it's one that we could all use a refresher on. In fact, it's something that I certainly struggle with, and I think if you ask my wife Mira, she'll definitely agree. You see, there are times on road trips when I'm driving and, you know, we're trying to get somewhere and I'm trying to have a conversation with Mira and I tend to, at some point during that journey, make a wrong turn. It's for some reason or the other, when I try and multitask, I have a conversation and, and drive at the same time, I just make that mistake. Uh, I don't know if it's just me. Maybe there's other guys out there. You guys can relate. Uh, in any case, you know, Mira let me know that I need to pay a little bit more attention when I'm on the road to get to uh, that destination safely and on time. And often, often after a statement where she points out that, you know, I made a mistake, there'll be silence just in the car. And there it is, my pride, my ego. You know, I can't pull myself together to admit uh, that, you know, there's some constructive criticism being made. And even though Mira has every right intention in telling me and it's coming from a, a place of love, my sin prevents me from apologizing. And in those moments, I feel as though the Lord sends like an arrow into my heart and I know exactly what my wife is trying to say to me, but pride brings destruction. It doesn't belong in the life of a believer, at least not the type of pride that lifts ourselves up and fails to glorify God. And perhaps Mary doesn't know what she's doing in those moments, but maybe it's God trying to send a word of caution to me. And regardless, pride can often expose God's plans for our lives. And many times, I think this is the case for all of us. We begin our Christian walk really well. Our focus is set on God, and then pride rises up, and it prevents us from being all that God wants us to be, and it blinds us to His ways. It tempts us to believe that we know better than He does. And if left unchecked, pride will alter our attitudes toward God and the route that He's chosen for us. As believers, we learned last week, we need to be aware of the spiritual warfare that's taken place. Satan's goal is to deeply wound and destroy the lives of God's children. He never gives up on his quest to wreak as much havoc as possible in the life of a believer. And I think of all the struggles that are discussed in 2 Chronicles, pride is one of the most that has the most devastating results and Many of our problems result from pride's work in our lives, but too many people fail to recognize this. We become prideful over the good things in our life, like jobs, like children, like our neighborhoods, like education, like pastors even. God is very specific. He hates pride. In fact, it's at the top of his list of sins. In Proverbs 8.13, it says, Pride and arrogance in the eat." The way of evil and perverted speech, I hate. You see, each morning the enemy tempts us 
to act out in pride. And if we're not discerning, we're going to fall prey to his tactics. The perils of pride can destroy the life of a person who gives in. It's one of the primary ways in which Satan uses, and it's one of his favorite weapons of spiritual warfare because it tempts us to take our eyes off of God and on to ourselves. No matter how much we try and cover it up, no matter uh, all the excuses we make to justify it, pride produces the same result over and over again. Arrogance and rebellion against a holy God. And so you might ask, you know, isn't, there, uh, isn't it right to have a little bit of pride in my life, uh, you know, in my ability? After all, I have talents and I'm, I'm smart. And what could possibly be wrong if, you know, I take pride in the talents that God has given me? Well, there's nothing wrong in having a sense of pride in doing things well, right? God gives us talents. He gives us abilities to use for His glory. And He wants us to do our best. And when we do that, we honor Him and His life within us. But that's not always the case, is it? Many people fail to honor the Lord with their attitudes. We believe Satan's lies, which tell us that we can accomplish whatever we want apart from God. That line of thinking always leads us away from God and always allows the enemy to win the battle. Now, perhaps you think, well, compared to me, you're not that bad. Perhaps you think you can drive and talk at the same time and apologize to your spouse. And that could be true, But I really think if you took a second to examine yourself, you too would find instances in your life where you fall short in that area. And perhaps it's time for a reality check. Like Pastor Ian said last week, we need to take the log out of our own eye. And so to help you do that, I wanted to provide you some telltale signs um, that you might be dealing with pride too. Now, I'm not looking for any hands to go up as I go through this list. That might be a little bit embarrassing. Um, But just take a moment and think to yourself, you know, am I guilty of any of these things? So here it goes. One of the things is you think you're humble by telling other people that you're humble. (laughs) That's actually false humility. Uh, If you're actually humble, let other people acknowledge that. Here's another one. You don't accept uh, constructive criticism. You have a hard time accepting failure, and you refuse to be corrected. That's the one I think I struggle with at times. You always want to be the center of attention. You always want attention. You always want to be appreciated. That's another sign. How about this one? You're vain about your physical appearance, being obsessed about making yourself look attractive. You don't like to associate yourself with those, quote-unquote, unpopular people. You love to name drop, or you like to chase people who are influential, or it's called uh, chasing clout these days. And your connections, you always talk about your connections with influential or rich people and, and powerful personalities. Another one is you aren't teachable. You don't listen to the advice of others. You don't listen to your parents. You think you're too important to do mundane things like pick up the trash, help clean and serve others. You're critical of those who do better than you. Those are all examples. And Now, after all of this, if you don't believe that you're guilty of any of these things, then uh, congratulations. You're guilty of being so prideful 
that you can't even admit uh, to having it. But no, we laugh, but it's a problem. This is the kind of pride that stems from self-righteousness or conceit. God hates it because it's a hindrance to seeking Him. King Uzziah, from our text this morning, suffered from the same perils. My hope this morning, church, is that you'll come to a renewed understanding that pride always overemphasizes self, that we recognize that our hearts need to be God-focused, not self-focused. What we think, what we feel, what we want, what we desire is not what's important. You know, if you're setting goals in your life without God's input, then we're heading down that road of pride. We're heading towards great peril. And this morning, I'll be outlining three perils of pride that we find in our text. But before we get into that, let me give you some context to our passage for those of you who don't know uh, the story or aren't familiar with King Uzziah. Now, King Uzziah, for those of you who don't know, uh, was a tremendous leader. He was wise. He consistently sought the Lord when he made decisions. He helped Judah prosper. He helped Judah grow. Uh, His reign began when he was only 16 years old. He was fairly young, and his reign lasted for 52 years. He followed his dad's example, King Amaziah, and he wanted to know what God's plan for Judah was. He always included God in any decision that he made. And so long as King Uzziah sought the Lord, God made him prosper. And not only did the king prosper, but the people prospered as well. He fortified Jerusalem. He had great military victories. He dug wells. He he ensured long economic term success for Israel just because of how strong of a king he was. But at the end of the day, despite how great a king he was, the Bible says that he was marvelously helped. He was marvelously helped. You see, he had tons of accomplishments, but the Lord was the one who enabled him. The Lord was behind it all. But you see, there's a point in the story where this becomes a tragedy. You see, the fame got to his head. From verses 16 to 19 of our passage, we see that he lost sight of how marvelously led he was. He transgressed against the Lord by entering into the temple of the Lord and burning the incense that was meant for the priests to burn. And then he was rebuked by the priests and he became angry as a result. And then God punished him and he became a leper. Well, that's an interesting life story. That's an interesting biography, isn't it? It starts out very positive. Even this young guy in his youth put in the place of a king And he set his face to seek God, and God prospered him. It's really encouraging in the beginning, but then he got taken out by pride. And the end of this biography is very sad. He went from being this famous, famous king. His fame went all the way to Egypt to being one who was excluded as a leper. He was a man who could not take criticism. And look what it cost him. So what can we learn about pride from our text? Well, number one, we can learn that pride is defiling. You see, pride is the way of the world, the pride that Uzziah offered a form of godliness for the world to see. He thought that he was doing so well as a king of Judah from his own might. He denied the power of God working through him. He had this self-centered worldview. 
He was driven by lust. He was driven for attention by attention and acclaim. And other nations heard of how great Judah was, how prosperous it was. But pride developed in his heart and it turned to evil. The priests tried to confront him. And instead of repenting, instead of asking for forgiveness, what does he do? He's angry, angry, he's furious, he's mad. And when the heart gives over to sin, pride grows and it becomes defensive from rebuke. He didn't listen to the rebuke in his life. Pride produces strife, it produces shame, it produces rude and cruel speech. He relied on himself instead of relying on God. Now let's ask this question, how does, a, how does he respond to rebuke? It says, as Uzziah went in the temple, it says, Azariah the priests and 80 men of valor. 80. That's a lot of people. Imagine if 80 of you stood up right now to come and rebuke me. Like, that's a crowd. It's not one. It's not two. It's 80. And these are not just anybody. These are men of valor. They went to withstood the king. This was the king that was ruling over them. And the priests came and they said, hey, it's not for you to do this. It's for the priests. They told him to go out of the sanctuary. You've done wrong. I don't know about you, but if 80 people came to me and were rebuking me, wouldn't you listen up? Now I can say that right now, but if I grew strong and proud of that, and if I'm convinced in my own mind that everyone else is wrong, it doesn't matter if it's 80 or 80,000 people. Pride can make you so deceived, so blind, that you're unwilling to receive any type of criticism. You've already set it out in stone what you're going to be doing. I'm right, and that's it's my way, and no one else can prove me wrong. Surely, you'd have some kind of humility here if 80 people were to rebuke you. He was angry. He was mad. He was thinking, don't you know who I am? I'm King Uzziah. You're telling me to go out. Don't you know who I am? That's probably something that he was thinking. How dare you rebuke me? How dare you, you reprove me? You're humiliating me in front of everyone. I'm the king. My fame has spread to Egypt. Look at all this success. Look at all my past victories. How dare you rebuke me? He constructed all these walls and all these skillful men and he's put catapults and things to protect the kingdom. Do you know who you're talking to? And I think Uzziah in his own estimation of himself was saying this, I'm above criticism. I'm above criticism. Church, none of us will be above criticism in our life. I better always be able to take rebuke and constructive criticism, and I hope, church, you do as well. If we ever get to a point where we can't take that criticism, it's pride. And pride led to this man's ruin. Pride is deadly. You know, I've seen older Christians willing, willingly take rebuke from younger Christians, and it wasn't like it was coming from being hypercritical, but it was just valid reproof. And that's why those men, those older Christians, are not falling into the sin that they would have fallen into. But I've seen the, the vice versa, where older Christians try to rebuke younger Christians, and they're not willing to take it. 
That's arrogance. That's pride. They try to justify their sin. They, try, they get all defensive. Uzziah was defensive, church. Not willing to be corrected in defensiveness is rooted in pride. Defensiveness is that feeling that you get when someone challenges you on something, possibly exposing any kind of blind spots that you may have that they see and maybe you don't. The proud man says, no, that can't be right. I know myself really well. Whatever you're saying about me, it just can't be right because I've got myself figured out. That's why it's called a blind spot. You can't see it. But look what the Lord does. Sin has consequences. Verse 19, notice that there's a point in which there was anger in his heart. It's like God was giving him an opportunity to humbly receive correction, to walk out that door and obey, but instead he turned to anger. And when he became angry with the priest, that's when the leprosy broke out. Believing all the good things people say about you will lead you to become prideful. Pride always, always, always precedes a fall. Where humility, on the other hand, will grow you towards success in your Christian walk. So as Uzziah grew in popularity and strength, he began to think that he didn't need God. And so this drift, uh, this drift of devotion to the Lord was really subtle almost undetectable, until one day it came out in open rebellion. Proverbs, the author of Proverbs, reminds us in 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. If we aren't careful, right, we need to be discerning. We're gonna, if, if we aren't careful enough, we're going to just fall into what King Uzziah fell into. When the king realized the strength and the ability God had given him, he became proud and no longer relied on the wisdom of the Lord to guide him. Verse 16 of our passage says, He acted corruptly and he was unfaithful to the Lord his God, for he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. You might not understand it, but offering this, this type of sacrifice is one of the worst acts that King Uzziah could have done. It's the same action that led, actually, King Saul uh, to his demise. In both cases, these men did something that they shouldn't have done, that was set apart for the priest to do. And in pride, they assumed that there was no action that was beyond their limits. And according to Jewish customs and Jewish uh, religious customs, the king was the servant of God and not in a position to intercede before the Lord's throne in this type of way. So you have to understand the magnitude of the sin that was committed. All of us have been guilty of jumping ahead of God, doing something that wasn't ours to do. And in this case, the priests were the one that, that was supposed to burn the incense on the altar. Blinded by pride, King Uzziah does something that he was not supposed to do, and the results were disastrous. He thought that because he was king, he was above the law and above the principles of God, but he was not. Now, we might not be able to openly refuse what God has given us to do, but deep down inside, we know what's going on, and when we have to decide to take a different 
route or sometimes we take a shortcut in terms of what we got to do. A spirit of pride always encourages us to turn away from God and follow what we want to do, our own line of thinking. So what else uh, can we learn from our text about pride? Number two, we can learn that pride is deceptive. Pride is deceptive. The, the Bible re, uh, describes pride as haughty in its view and its treatment of others. In other words, pride is arrogant. It uses a false sense uh, to judge uh, self and others. It's typically when we treat others poorly, when we treat them in a condescending manner, in an arrogant way, that is all part and parcel uh, with pride. It lifts, us self up, it lifts ourselves up and above God. It's an insult against Him. Now, it's deceptive in the sense that it deceives us by leading us to trust in ourselves instead of God and knowing Him. When we're puffed up and angry towards others, it's a sign, it's a telltale sign that we have a, a prideful heart. Proverbs 29, 23, Solomon wrote, a, a man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. There's an end result to pride, and it's usually one that we want to ignore. And instead of praying and asking God for wisdom in our circumstances, we move forward believing that we know what's best. We don't involve God as part of the equation anymore. We have, uh, we have a prayer service tomorrow. How many of you are coming for that? No, I don't need prayer anymore. I prayed this morning. I'm good. No. I highly encourage you guys to come out. Don't let pride get in the way of asking God for help in whatever it is, whatever circumstance you're going through. Perhaps like King Uzziah, we don't even stop to think. We react with boldness and move forward, never considering the consequences of our actions, of our choices. And when Uzziah was young, he openly admitted his help for God. He was devoted to the Lord. He listened to the priests when he was young. He heeded godly advice. But when he was older, he, think he, he thinks he had, or he thought he had the wisdom, and he didn't need anyone else anymore. A person falls into pride because of several things. It could be self-centeredness. It could be feelings of inadequacy. It could be that they're immature and unable to handle responsibility. It could be that they're unable to handle wealth. It could be that they're unable to handle the position or gifts that God has given them. There are several reasons. Pride is an evil, dark snare. It's a trap and it shows no mercy, rarely ever announcing its coming. It's sinister and it slides into our whispering thoughts of arrogance, conceit, and self-importance. Satan used it in the Garden of Eden. He used it then. It was a matter of enticing Adam and Eve to believe that they could become like God. And we find ourselves in Genesis recounting the fall of humanity. We find ourselves wanting to shout to Adam and Eve, just don't do it, don't eat the fruit. But we, uh, we quickly see, right, the results of their failure and pride beginning in their lives as they cave in to that temptation. 
right? Adam and Eve, they leave their home, their place of safety and blessing because they believed the enemy's lie that told them that they could become like God. Instead of rushing to the Lord for help and understanding, they did exactly what King Uzziah will do later. They allowed their heart's devotion to be swayed by thoughts of prideful temptation. Azariah the priest entered the temple and saw Uzziah was about to do and opposed him, saying in verse 18, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn the incense. Sorrow and sadness are pride's only rewards. And even after hearing this rebuke, he remained unrepentant and headstrong. God had a greater plan in store. Now when we look at Adam and Eve, right after them sinning against God, right, he uses their failure as an entranceway to introduce the Messiah. There's a plan and purpose in that. The one who would overthrow the coming of the Messiah, the one who would overthrow Satan. And as far as we know, Uzziah never turned his back. He never turned back to the Lord in humility. We, from what we can glean from the text, he just spent his whole life as a leper after that. It's a really sad tragedy. A man who spent most of his life living in devotion to God in the prime of his life, in the prime of fame, became a stumbling block to him. His pride turned him away from God. And the account of King Uzziah's life should be a really strong warning for us. Whenever we begin to believe that we're important or that we don't need to be accountable for the things that we say or the things that we do, then we need to be sure that, that we are headed for a fall. And when we, review, when we refuse to obey God in a particular area, we can expect His discipline in our lives. The reason is simple. Pride isolates us from God. It prevents us from uh, becoming people with hearts that are devoted solely to Him. This is the reason He hates it. God knows it's a stumbling block, and if left unchecked, it will wreak again havoc in our lives. But more than this, pride exalts self instead of God. God deserves the glory, the honor. Instead, we seek and praise and give glory to ourselves. So we can see what happened as a result of Uzziah's pride. Um, we can conclude, number three, thirdly, that pride is destructive. Pride is destructive. There are consequences to pride. It destroys a proper view of yourself. We read leprosy spread across his entire body and he was a leper until the day he died. He forgot that he was helped. And this is the trap that we can so easily succumb to, so easily fall into. It's so easy to look at the story and say, pride. Uzziah had pride. Look at him. Terrible pride. And not look at ourselves for how marvelously God has helped us. I'm concerned about this, especially with Christian culture today. We have icons and we have these heroes that we put up on pedestals and we say, you got to listen, you got to cheer to these people, you got to listen to these people. They're so special for what they did. And it's a trap that we can experience in the business world too. 
when we're well accomplished, it's so easy for us to take the credit. But for Uzziah, it didn't happen in just one moment. It happened in many moments. And we find that this cautionary tale for for all of us is to guard our hearts against this. Remember that you, church, were marvelously helped. Give God the credit. Give God the glory. That's how we avoid disastrous pride. You might not get leprosy, God forbid, but pride will hurt you. It will bring destruction. We have to have hearts that understand that we have been helped by the Almighty God. Whether you have fame or not is not the issue. Do you have a humble view of yourself? Do you have a proper view of yourself before God? There's a Christian website out there, and if you go look at their staff page, and at the, stop, at the top of this page, uh, if you're looking for the founder, it, it doesn't say his, his name. And that's a good thing. It says, the founder of this website wishes to remain anonymous. I can't find out who he is. And it has Matthew 23, 12. It says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Amen. That's good. He knows. He knows what happened to Uzziah and many of these other kings. These, will ha- these happen to Christians too. It's the issue of becoming strong and pride growing and pride overtaking your life. It's deadly. You see, there's many churches out there. They start off very humble. They start off relying on the Lord, but they grow and their fame spreads, and pride creeps in, and then they collapse. What will become of us, church? What will become of plus life? Uzziah is just one case and warning from the Bible. His life, he was a prayerful leader who was helped by God, and in the end, he became an excluded leper. And in our day, it might not be an excluded leper, but a famous preacher, we, we would know these days, they, they might not be an excluded leper, but they fall into sin. They might fall, they might uh, be tempted by and become an adulterer. That happens all the time. And if you say, oh, that will never happen to me, you know what? There's one man in the Bible who says that, oh, who said that. Peter, right? I'll never deny you, Lord. That was a proud, it was an arrogant boast. And that man did deny the Lord. Think about pride, church. For Uzziah specifically, it says in verse 15 that his fame spread far across all the way to Egypt because he was marvelously helped by God. This was the work of God. Everyone knew who Uzziah was. He was strong. And I think the writer saying he thought so highly of his achievements, his position. Look at what I've done. Look at all that I've accomplished. God gave him success. And that success led to his fall. It's like somewhere along the way, those, those boastful thoughts got to himself and at one point destroyed him. Pride is destructive when left unchecked. Have you ever had that happen to yourself? Unchecked thoughts, proud thoughts about yourself, patting yourself on the back. You've done a good job. 
Don't let those thoughts enter into your life. If there's a season where those thoughts creep in, don't give it notice. Pride, it grows, it spreads, it catches you off guard. It even says in verse 16, when he was strong, he grew proud. He grew proud. It didn't happen all of a sudden. It grows. It happens after a while. There was a progression of pride in his life. Like cancer, pride grows and spreads. Your view of yourself increases and changes so often with the more victories and successes that you have in your life. But what did Paul, Apostle Paul, what did he, what did he boast in? What was he prideful about? He boasted in his weakness. Let's be like Paul. We need to boast in our weakness, that Christ's power would be upon us, meaning that if we don't have weakness, what does that imply? You're relying on your own strength, your own successes, all that you have done. You go from looking from the Lord, from this mindset, I can do it, to look at what God has done for me. Instead, we tell ourselves, I don't have to be prayerful anymore. It's easy for me now. I've been doing this for so many years. I can, I can make my own decisions in this matter. That's pride. And it's a warning for all of us. We see this man here who sought the Lord and God made him prosper as a king. And then we see his life as an excluded leper. Pride, it's destructive. Psalm 10.4 explains that the, pride, uh, the proud are so consumed with themselves that their thoughts are far from God. It says this in Psalm 10.4, In the pride of his face, and the wicked does not seek him, all his thoughts are there is no God. You see, this is the type of haughty pride. It's the opposite of the spirit of humility that seeks God. Matthew 5, 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit are those who recognize their utter spiritual bankruptcy and their inability to come to God from their own selves, aside from His divine grace. The proud, on the other hand, they're blinded by what they do, that they don't think that they need God, and for worse, that God should accept them because that they somehow deserve his acceptance. Throughout Scripture, we are told about all the consequences of pride. Proverbs 16, 18 to 19 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It is better to be of lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the, spo uh, the spoil with the proud. Remember Satan. Remember Lucifer. He was cast out of heaven because of pride. He had this selfish audacity to attempt to replace God himself. And instead, he's going to be cast down to hell in the final judgment to God. For those who rise up in defiance against God, there is nothing but disaster. Pride is destructive. Now, pride has also kept many of us from accepting Jesus Christ as Savior. Admitting sin, acknowledging that in our own strength that we can't we can do anything to inherit eternal life. It's a constant stumbling block for prideful people. We're not supposed to boast about ourselves and 
If we are to boast, then we are to ex- exclaim the glories and excellencies of God. So why is pride so sinful? Pride is giving ourselves credit for something that God has accomplished. Pride is taking the glory that belongs to God and keeping it for ourselves. Pride is essentially self-worship. Anything that we accomplished in this world would not have been possible without God enabling and sustaining us. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? That, church, is why we give glory to God, because He alone deserves it. Our sole goal should be to be the best right where God has placed us, to pray to Him, to ask Him to bless us with new challenges, but focus on His plan and timing for ourselves. I think the Apostle Paul, uh, or Apostle Peter captures this thought so perfectly in 1 Peter 5, 6, where it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that at the proper time He may exalt you, I think there are times where we sense God drawing near and warning us not to continue a certain path. And for one reason or the other, we continue on that path, on that direction that God has not, it's not God's best plan for us. And so sooner or later, He turns up that pressure to give us uh, our attention and life becomes difficult. And the more we fight against His discipline, the more we suffer, the more we suffer emotionally, the more we suffer mentally and physically. Adam and Eve gave everything that they could hope for, but they wanted more. And what they gained at the end was sadness, sorrow, disappointment, and ultimately separation from the one that loved them unconditionally. Pride has many faces, and for this reason, God tells us, church, to be vigilant, to stand against it. If we open a door to it, even a small one, the enemy will take advantage of that opening rushing in to our hearts and our thoughts. God wants us to have a healthy self-esteem, but He also wants you to learn how to handle pride so that you don't miss the blessings for you. King Uzziah's fame spread far. He was marvelously helped till he was strong, and in the same way he made an impact the Lord raises up Christian leaders today, and they do things that are very innovative. We see these mega churches doing things that are very innovative. They reach all the numbers. They reach people. They have this impact on this generation. Their name becomes known. People didn't know who they were, but now they know who these people are. Now they know their name, and it's a good thing. And they did it by being marvelously helped. You see, the progress was not something that was done by flesh. It was the power of God helping this man. And he set, King Uzziah set himself to seek God. Yet in the midst of all that was happening, the growth, the victories, the inventions, the fame spreading, what's the big question that's being asked? What's going on in this man's heart? Is there any outward progress Progress in the midst? Is there any progressiveness of growth and of pride in his heart? Are there any thoughts of himself? Or is the sense of, I've built nothing. I have nothing but what the Lord has given me. 
You know you're not in the Christian life long before you realize it's not about how you start the race, it's how you finish the race. And in our social media generation, it's so easy to find men in the Lord who have failed in their calling, in their ministry. They were doing innovative stuff. They were growing. They were proclaiming truth. And then they fell, right? People were being converted. They were being famous. They were celebrities, but then they fell. You can Google it. It's easy to find. So that begs the question, church, not how did you start, but how are you going to finish the race? Ask yourself, where am I today? Today, do I fear God? Today, do I seek His face? Do I have the right assessment about myself? Do I have the right view of myself? We need to say, I am nothing apart from the grace of God and what He has done in my life. Think about us as a church, about individual Christians. Where are we going to be eight years from now? Not where we were eight years before, but where are we going to? Where are we today? Where are we going to be? Don't fall for Satan's tactics, church. You might need to think that you might think that you need to push your life, your way through life on your own strength, but you don't. The perils of pride are real, but through Jesus Christ, you are all that you ever hoped to be. Ask God to teach you how to rest in his infinite care. And when you learn this, you, you gain a sense of hope. You'll come to realize how valuable that you are as a follower of Christ. Jesus was the epitome of humbleness. So humble, in fact, that he casted aside any temptation of pride. He laid it all aside to go to the cross of Calvary and die for you and I. May we follow his example, that epitome of humbleness, turning aside pride in its defilement, in its deceptiveness, in its destruction, so that we can live humbly for the glory of God. Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it does not go return void. Lord, we thank you that you are teaching us your ways, your truths, learning about the King Uzziah's life. And Lord, I pray, God, that we would learn, Lord, from his life, his failures, that we would exemplify humbleness in our lives and cast aside pride. May we recognize the instances in our life and admit that we are not above criticism, God, in our marriages, in our interactions with fellow believers and in our workplaces, God. Help us to recognize those instances where we think pridefully and help us to lay it at your cross. Lord, would you forgive us, God, for the times that we have displeased you in this manner? May we come to you, God, in repentance and asking you for forgiveness in these areas. Help us to see who Christ is in, in all this. As he was humble enough himself to go to the cross and die 
for our sake and then rise again three days later. We thank you, God, for your spirit that you've sealed within us as believers. We, we pray, God, that you would empower us to live faithfully for you. God, cast aside any pride in our lives. Help us to live humbly for your glory. That we would not take the center stage of our lives, but that we would attribute all goodness, all faithfulness to you and your glories, God, your excellencies, Lord. We thank you, God, for everything that you're doing in our lives. Continue to sustain us. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening. We hope that you were blessed by the sermon today. If you would like to learn about the gospel or know more about our church, please visit pluslifepeople.com. Remember to subscribe for more content. Until next time, stay blessed.